I can kick this off. So essentially it was May 4th, which was on Thursday. Okay. So this is like Wednesday, Thursday. It's crazy how, how fast time goes by here. I thought this was like two weeks ago, but it was just last Wednesday, Thursday. So Super is a, a kind of a well-known developer in the Bitcoin Lightning community. I actually got to meet him at a hackathon. Very creative guy. Reminds me of sort of the level of kind of creativity that we see someone like Casey. So basically, you inscribed a zero-value transaction, causing some joy from the hater maxis and panic from the JPEG grifters, as Danny has called himself. But the situation is not as bad as it sounds. So the inscription was a zero value input, zero value output. Um, interesting to understand what that is, by the way. And it broke the inscription numbers. It was sent through an email, I think, to a friend of yours that was a miner. And yeah, it was just a really cool and creative thing that you did here. I'm not sure what the negative impact was. So basically, one thing that you showed is that, and, and maybe you could walk me through this, but basically the idea was that you inscribed a Satoshi that you didn't own. Is that correct? That was the kind of the point of this attack? Uh, that wasn't the point of the attack, but that is what happened. Um, or at least that's part of what happened. Yeah, I got the idea when I was in the lead up to a hackathon at the Bitcoin Plus conference in Austin, Texas, to do it. And what I thought would happen if I created a transaction with zero input, zero output, and no fee, I thought that the Ordinal Explorer over at ordinals.com would get confused and not know where to assign the inscription because normally it's like in the first Satoshi of the first address. I thought it's going to get confused and not know where to assign the inscription, so it's going to crash. And so I broadcasted my transaction, and that, that didn't happen. The Ordinalist Explorer did not crash. It did assign it an ordinal number, but it was one that didn't belong to me. It w belonged to the miner, and it was like, it was weird because apparently, I found this out later, it inscribed it after I had already sent it to the miner in a previous transaction. In the funding transaction that led up to this, I had sent them a coin, and somehow it inscribed the Satoshi on that previous Satoshi, or it inscribed the inscription on the previous Satoshi that already belonged to the miner at that point, which is really weird. It did crash another Ordinal Explorer. It crashed the one that's used by Unisat. So it was a partial success in that I did crash something. But yeah, then the more subtle bug is the one that happened on ordinals.com. It made it so that I inscribed somebody else's Satoshi, which is a bug. And if they fix the bug, then all inscription numbers after mine will have to be decremented by one. And then I released a tool for other people to do the same thing. So now they're off by a lot more than one. And so that's fun. That was super cool. And I, I really like the, the kind of creativity that went into this, as opposed to some of the other attempts to attack ordinals like that are clearly you can tell at time zero, maybe not going to have any impact, but this was like more fun and like more of a, hey, this could have a real impact thing. And could you break it down a little more clearly? Because I didn't quite get it in terms of which ordinal was inscribed through this process. So when you sent the, the transaction, like what exactly was it? What is a zero input, zero output transaction? And did it inscribe an ordinal in the Coinbase reward that was part of the subsidy or the fee? Or was it a it assigned it to a previous transaction. Could you break that down a little bit more? Yeah, I can try. Although part, some of this isn't clear to me still. But one of the things you can do with Bitcoin is if you give me a Bitcoin address, I can send you Bitcoin to it. I can send you five Bitcoin. I can send you like 0.08 Bitcoin. But a little known fact, you can also send somebody zero Bitcoin. You can create a transaction that has their address as on the output side, like You've got inputs, which are the Bitcoins you're sending, and then you've got outputs, which is where you're sending them to. 
And you can mark down that you want to send somebody zero Bitcoins, and that'll go on the blockchain, and the blockchain will treat it as a regular transaction. It'll just say, this address now has zero Bitcoins in it. And it'll be like a coin with zero value that they can spend. So after I realized this was possible, it occurred to me that this should screw up inscriptions because inscriptions try to, they assume that there is uh, value in each address that has an inscription in it because that's where the inscription gets inscribed to is the first Satoshi in each address. So I was like, I wonder, I bet that if I do this, if I create a transaction where I send somebody zero Bitcoins and then inscribe that with an inscription, it'll break something. And I thought it would crash the Explorer. So that does that make sense as to what exactly, as to that part of your question? What- yeah, when there's zero output though, I thought that the inscription is an output. Is that not the case or is that somewhere separate in the transaction? No, because the inscription go- goes into the signature for the transaction that, that proves that you have the right to unlock some money in the, presumably some money in the input transaction or in the input UTXO, which is like the coin you're sending to someone is the input and then where you're sending it is the output. But in this case, I didn't have any Satoshis in the input either. Before I did this, I had prepared a transaction that had zero in it. So it was proving that I was unlocking an address that had nothing in it. And that had the inscription, nothing except an inscription, rather. And I was sending that to an address that also had nothing in it. So the the software got a little confused by that situation. But there was another part of your question, which I forget. That answered it for me. I think the thing... So basically, this type of transaction could not be done in the real world because there's no fee to give the miner. Is that possible where you could submit a zero-value transaction just with a fee and then you could inscribe the UTXO with the fee on it? Is that possible? That would work too, but it wouldn't cause any errors though because if you the, the ordinal software treats fees as an extra output. So if I have a full Bitcoin that I'm sending... And I send like half of it to you and half of it back to me or nearly the rest all back to me as change. But I include a little bit as a fee for the miner. The ordinal software will treat that as three outputs. And so if the first two have zero in it, it would treat the third one as a third output and assign the inscription to that third output. And it would go to the miner. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want the miner to get the inscription. So I included zero fee on the transaction because I wanted it to break. I wanted something to break. But what ended up happening is that the miner did get the inscription, but not in that transaction's fee. It somehow got to him in the either in the fee of a previous transaction. This part's not clear to me. The inscription either got reverted to the previous transaction's fee, which had, which had already gone to the miner. So I inscribed something that already belonged to the miner. Or some people are saying it went to the, the Coinbase reward. It went to the first Satoshi of the Coinbase reward for the miner. And thus I inscribed something on his Satoshi that he didn't intend. But either way, it got to the miner without his consent or it, without his knowledge that that was what was going to happen. And yeah, it was a bug. I, I inscribed someone else's Satoshi somehow. But exactly how is not is still not clear to me. Yeah, that's super interesting. Someone else said that it briefly got assigned a negative inscription number. Like in terms of the block, it got assigned a negative inscription number. And then the software like recalculated it when it saw the negative number and gave it to the miner somehow. And then it got a positive inscription number, but made everything off by one. So I don't know if that's true either, but someone said something about a negative number happening somewhere as well. That's super cool. I want to go to Danny. Danny, you have your hand raised. Yeah, I think what Super Tessna did was pretty cool. He was trying to highlight an issue with software or, or an implementation, but he actually 
you're highlighting an issue with the protocol itself in the specification because this particular case wasn't specified. Arnold's protocol is a YUM protocol, so not everything has been written out clearly. And this is one of those corner cases that you know hasn't been stated. There's basically you know three things going on with Ornos. One is the Orno theory. That part's very clear, right? That is just follow the Satoshi. They're or uniquely ordered based on when they show up in the blockchain and then first in, first out. And the second part is what's an inscription? Oh, this is following the you have a commit that sets up the signature and then you do a reveal transaction that signs it with this envelope that has the file or data for the inscription. And that's what you did, right, with your zero value input. The third part is the one where is the most contentious or unclear, and it's how do you map that inscription to a Mark Satoshi or Ordino, right? And that's what you're trying to highlight, and what you did highlight. And so that, that particular point is one that Ordino's program to specify more clearly so that we don't have these issues that you brought up. Right now, it handles where it says if you have an inscription and it's the first one, the first input in the transaction, then the mapping goes to the first output in the first set, and that is the mapping of the ordinal to the inscription. And that's the case that's handled on all the existing inscriptions. And you hide a case where, it, and it ignores every, all other inscriptions. You can do inscriptions in the second transaction, or second input, third input, any number of inputs in a transaction, and they actually are ignored because the implementation doesn't know how to map them to a ordinal or doesn't recognize those as inscriptions. But in your case, you did it in the first input, which is how it recognizes inscriptions. But then there's no first output Satoshi, and that's why it just went to the implementations can do whatever they want because the protocol doesn't define what they should do. And that's why you also see different things in both Oranos.com and the Unisat and other implementations because they're not sure what the actual spec is to actually follow. But that's something that will probably be addressed pretty shortly with the OR team so that we won't have these issues. Yeah, I imagine they'll try to do something pretty quickly. Or what they might do is just decide, nah, we're not going to do anything and we'll just leave it as it is and leave the off by one error. They could do that too. You never Um, know. You never know. I think Isabel knows. I think based on what Isabel just said, she knows. (laughs) I didn't like. I would like to point out, I wasn't trying to expose an off by one error. I didn't know that an off by one error existed or, or that it would do this if I made this weird transaction. I thought that software would crash which is not what happened, or at least most explorers didn't crash. Only the one, As far as I'm aware, only the one that was created by Unisat crashed. The bug that I actually uncovered is different from the bug I thought I was going to uncover. Yeah, I think that's what also makes it fun and exciting, is that unexpected result here, and then we're still not sure, did it assign it to a previous transaction, did it assign it to the Coinbase reward? And if it assigned it to the Coinbase reward, is it assigning it because there's no fee? There's no I guess. Yeah, there's no Bitcoin that you had in the transaction. You didn't give any Bitcoin to the miner in that transaction. Was it part of which ordinal did it put on to it put on the subsidy did it put on the fee? And then if it's a previous transaction, is it a previous amount of Bitcoin that you sent to that miner? Would it if like you had sent Bitcoin to somebody else? Would it have been inscribed a different Satoshi? These are the curious questions that pop into my mind. Do you have any thoughts on those? It released the software that I use to do this. So I hope that other ordinal people are like testing it and seeing what it's actually doing or what happens in all these weird cases. 
because that's going to be important if they're going to when they fix it they got to make sure that you can't just like change a very small thing and then do it again and inscribe someone else's satoshi so there's a lot of testing that has to be done to figure out exactly what happened there and someone's probably already done the testing and knows exactly what happened but it's not me <laughs> i don't know exactly what happened yeah and then so do people need to basically be friends with the miner to get these included to get this same behavior reproduced no I initially got it done by because I have a friend who knows the founder of uh, F2Pool, so I had him email them my transactions and ask them to include them for me, and they did. But on the software I released, called it's called Breaker of JPEGs. You can find it on my GitHub. If you make one, you can just add your transactions to the GitHub issue. There's a thread in there for anyone who doesn't know a miner. You can add your transactions in there. And there are miners who are pulling them from there and adding them into their blocks. So if you want to help increase the off by one error and make it an off by 12 error, an off by 18 error or whatever, feel free to run the software and add your transaction there. And hopefully soon a miner will pick it up and, and put it in their block. Will the miners send me back the inscription if I do this? No. That's so interesting. Maybe you could contact their support team because most, yeah. most of these mining tools have a support page. Give me back my inscription. No. And uh, you could say, so- hey. I gave you the 10,000 sats and fees or whatever it is. Please send me the text or in the image. Yeah. And then, so is this transaction like much smaller? So I know I saw that you inscribed, let me see what it was. What was the, t- okay. You will use Soma and you will like it, which is a reference to, I think your open source space chain project. Is that correct? And then, so something like that, if you have no input and no output, is that text actually a smaller footprint than the input and the output from a pure like raw data storage like vbyte perspective no that piece of text is it, it looks to me like it's a bit longer it's certainly longer than the signature it was if memory serves it was somewhere around 128 bytes to put that inscription on there the full transaction without that was probably around 140 bytes it was almost as long as the rest of the transaction but so yeah, Soma is a space chain implementation by Fiat Jeff. So space chains are this type of Bitcoin sidechain that allows for doing stuff like inscriptions and, and ordinals, or not ordinals, inscriptions and BRC20 tokens and other assets without taking up as much space on the blockchain. Instead of putting the entire image or the entire text on the blockchain, you, t- you take a hash of all of the transactions in a block of the sidechain and you put that hash on Bitcoin which is a, a much greater space savings and it's much more efficient. So I implemented uh, a space chain uh, launcher so that anyone can create one. And then my friend Fiat Jeff, who's another Bitcoin developer, he released one called Soma, which is better than mine. And so my thing was supposed to recommend people check this out and try doing inscriptions and, and BRC20 tokens on there instead, because I like using the chain efficiently. And that's what those are for. Super, are those live birds behind you? Those are live birds. Wow. They just want to say hi. And so, Super, for the space chain, how how are the miners, like, how are blocks mined? Is there a bridge for moving Bitcoin? Could you just tell us? I'm, I'm curious about it. Yeah, on a space chain, there are space chain miners who aggregate transactions on the space chain similar to how any other blockchain is mined. You pay them using a token created on the sidechain, and they aggregate transactions on the sidechain. But how they anchor these to Bitcoin is they pay a transaction fee on Bitcoin to mine a transaction that has an op return, 
which has 32 bytes of data, and that 32 bytes is the hash of their sidechain block. And then you follow, you come to consensus on the order of transactions on the sidechain by following the trail of hashes on Bitcoin. So you say, okay, the, here's hash A, and then the next one that it points to is hash B, and the next one that points to is hash C, and so on and so forth. And then you can request blocks matching that, matching those hashes on the sidechain and uh, get them from a peer-to-peer network. So that's how you come to consensus on the order of blocks in the sidechain, but they're paid for in mine in the ordinary way. It's just that they're anchored to Bitcoin. There is no bridging mechanism to get Bitcoins onto a sidechain. It's a totally separate network, and creators of sidechains have to come up with a, their own tokens to issue on them. And is it correct that you need a separate token to pay the miners for that, or is there a model to use only Bitcoin that would not be yeah. require an unlimited bank account to buy Bitcoin? This is why mine is worse than Fiat Jeff's. In mine, I didn't want to create an altcoin, so I decided to destroy all Bitcoins. And I created a protocol where you can destroy a Bitcoin and then pro- post a proof that you destroyed it on the sidechain, and then you'll be credited with an equivalent amount of sidechain tokens, which I don't like that. I thought it was a stupid method of coming up with a solution for not having a token on the sidechain, but it does work. So that's how mine works. And then Fiat Jeff had a much better idea in Fiat Jeff's implementation called SOMA. Users create a state update for the sidechain, which is typically a piece of text that they want to add to a block. So they create this piece of text, they present it to a miner and they say, hey, can you please add this to your next block? And then the miner presents them a lightning invoice, which means you're just using pure Bitcoin for SOMA. And if they pay the lightning invoice, then the miner will include their piece of text in the block, in the next block, and thus it gets mined. Uh, So I think that is a lot better method because it doesn't involve destroying Bitcoin, and it also doesn't involve creating an altcoin. So I hope to at some point update mine to use the same mechanism because uh, I like doing smart things. That's interesting. That's the same way that the counterparty token was created by burning Bitcoin. And when you burn Bitcoin, it's important to remember that you're not burning Bitcoin, you're just airdropping Bitcoin to the holders proportionally because by destroying Bitcoin, there's less supply and everyone else gets richer. So counterintuitive. And but my, if there is pl- less supply, then you did destroy something. That's true, but you also gifted everyone else more wealth, which is how I plan to go out when I die is to burn all my money and it's going to be just a gift to the world, essentially. One final question about, this, about the, uh, the space chains. Is there an advantage to this over merge mining? It's a type of merge mining. Merge mining allows miners to mine two blocks at the same time. And the technique that space chains use allows anyone to add the piece of text that corresponds to the sidechain block onto Bitcoin. But miners are still mining that. They're adding your transaction to a block and adding proof of work on top of it. So the proof of work that they use to mine your transaction also mines the space chain or the space chain block that you propose. It works for both. It is a type of merge mining. And does the space chain have to be, is it a proof of work model as well? Are people running their hardware or ASICs to mine the space chain? No, the only thing they're doing is they're accepting transactions on the space chain or on Lightning in the case of Soma, and then using those fees to fund a transaction on Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, if you think of Bitcoins and how they're issued, they're essentially a tokenized form of proof of work. The miner has to do work in order to issue Bitcoins, and then they get traded around. So you're effectively emulating a proof of work by just paying for your transaction with mining fees. And when you give those to a miner and then he mines on top of it, it gets that their proof of work as well. 
Super cool. Very exciting, man. And I love to see it. And I'm glad that you did this valiant attack on ordinals. It's been a lot of fun to talk about and, and a great learning example for everybody. And so just want to thank you, Super, for coming up here and sharing with us. One more thing. If anyone wants to learn more about how Space Chains work, go to YouTube and search for uh, Space Chains in four minutes. It's a video by Ruben Thompson, and he'll give you more details. And there are links in the description if you want to check it out more and maybe try it out and, and see if you want to do any of this cool stuff on, on Space Chains. Super, before you leave us, this was the first question that I think I got rugged when I was asking you. You strike me as a very intelligent individual. I assume you know how to set a profile picture on Twitter. What do we got to do to get you a wizard or a monkey? You'd have to kill me because I'm not interested. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we, we... actually, that's a good final question for Super. Super, what do you make of the reaction to this attack that you did? There were some like laser eye Bitcoin maxis, as we call them. Are they pinning all their hopes and dreams on you for this? What has the reaction been like? I think Ordinal's people were excited, actually, because I think you're a, a respected developer in the community. So what yeah, was the I've reaction been, to this? I've been just surprised to see that almost everybody, including Ordinal's people and Bitcoiners, thought it was hilarious and wanted to see more and, and wanted to know how it worked and all that stuff. Uh, nobody was mad. The, the only person who said anything negative that I've seen is our friend Udi, who criticized me for misrepresenting what I did. Which you did. You actually did misrepresent what you did. Yeah, that is fair. That's fair. I I said I had introduced a bug into ordinal theory, and I didn't know exactly what I'd done, but I wasn't sure it was that. And I shouldn't have said something was true if I didn't know it was true. So I apologize for saying that. I did modify the GitHub to correct myself. And I've corrected other people who've repeated what my initial misreporting. But I introduced a bug into some ordinal explorers, but I did not introduce a bug into ordinal theory. And so I apologize for that initial misrepresentation. But yeah, Udi's the only one who got who said anything negative, and he was right to say it. But everyone else has been quite positive and supportive and thinks it's hilarious. So it's refreshing. It's a little bit refreshing to have a moment in Bitcoin where friends and enemies come together on a joke that everyone thinks is funny. Super testnet. Anybody who goes to a hackathon and literally starts hacking in the protocols has earned my respect. We very much appreciate you coming up here today. And hopefully we will have you back after you find some other insanely clever way to hack all of our stuff. Appreciate you, dude. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.